Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Uh, Sydney, I'm so happy to be here with you again. Always a delight. Always a treat. Um, well, thank you, this honey. This is collectively our third podcast of the day. Friday's a big podcasting day for us. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of casting. And normally I don't do tasks today, but Travis is going on the, the Joko cruise, so I'm, I'm uh, way to double up. Yeah. A lot no, of podcasting. I do. That's what I tell... Um, People at Harmony House because I'm there Monday through Thursday pretty much regularly mm-hmm. as long as the kids are in school or not sick or whatever, which we've been dealing with. Um, but I, I, they're like, but you don't come on Fridays, right? Is that when you go do real work? And I'm like, I don't know. It's the day I podcast. Is That's the, real. Is honey, that my real work? <laughs> honey, if podcasting isn't real work, this whole thing that I got going <laughs> on that I call my life is about to crumble in within itself. So let's say podcasting is work. And Let's talk about lice, baby. Let's talk about the larvae. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things and the mostly bad things, I'd assume, about lice, baby. I, that that was great. Let's talk about lice. Okay. That, that is that is. Let's a, talk about lice. I'm done. You want to call Weird Al and tell him about your parody? I think. <laughs> Let's talk about I sex. Let's weird, talk about lice. I think my close personal friend Weird, as he insists I call him, would be totally bowled over by that. Uh, I just want to warn you at the beginning of this episode that you're probably going to get itchy. If you're like me, whenever you start talking about lice for a while, you start scratching your head. Mm-hmm. At least. I mean, don't you think so? Like eventually yeah. you start. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. Okay. So there it is. Uh, you've been warned. You're probably going to get itchy. Um, it seems like lice to me, Sydney, are a recent thing, probably in the last like 20 30 years people have been like really getting into life. You must have seen the first like, I did. I line the first of my line. notes. Like, so I was trying to set you up uh-huh. beautifully before I locked into your gorgeous face and just listen, let you carry me away mm-hmm. without peeking at your notes again. You may think that, Justin, but in fact. <laughs> this- You're telling me they're older than 30 years? Okay. Lice are older. So maybe 50. Maybe 50 years tops. Tell me if I'm getting close. 100? <laughs> Lice are older than humanity. So like 200? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that depends on your belief system there, but yeah. yes, is so what you're I would me say 6, a scientist. 1000 years old? <laughs> uh, lice are very old. Now the the lice that we know today, the the lice that love humans that we humans don't love back. Oh, it's an unrequited love story. They uh have evolved they basically just sort of evolved alongside us. So there've been the specific kinds of lice that inhabit our bodies have probably been around since the first 
creatures we would call humans wow. existed. So lice are super old. Not you know what's really old too? The Appalachian Mountains. Let's on a side note there, if you're ever really interested in something um cool. That is one of your wilder non sequiturs, I will Sorry. Say. Read about how old the Appalachian Mountains are. Blow your mind. I kind of have always thought that most mountains are old. No, not all mountains are. The Appalachian Mountains are like older than the oceans. They're like older than dinosaurs. They're so, so 6, old. 6,000 years old? <laughs> They're so old. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about, and by the way, I should clarify, I am going to focus in this episode on head lice. Um, there are lots That's of- my first there head are, touch of the episode. Go on. <laughs> there are lots of lice that we could talk about, and certainly we've talked about diseases that can be spread by different types of louse, but- this time, we're just talking about head lice. Can you help me? Louse versus lice. Plural versus singular. Louse. It's not lices. Lice and louse. Right. One louse. One louse. Lots lice. of lice. Got it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, so there are different kinds of lice, of course, and it's pro- it's mainly because there are different lice for different animals. Almost every species of bird and mammal has its own louse friend. How nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, all except for monotremes, pangolins, and bats. Um, what's a monotreme? That's a great question, Justin. What is a monotreme? Uh, Would you like to know? Yeah, I'd love to know. They are, uh, uh, they look like, it looks like. Here's what I, here's what um, I know about monotreme in that one, They Might Be Giant song. There are cousin called monotreme. A monotreme are prototherian mammals of the order Monotremata. Hmm. Fascinating. So it's like it's like a classification of mammals. Let me get to some examples. Uh, a platypus is a monotreme. A short-beaked echidna. Is that enough? Do you need to know more monotremes? No, I got, that's a good number of them. Yeah, platypus. Think about what those look like. Platypi? Platypi. Platypi. Anyway. (laughs) This is not an animal show. This is not an animal show. I take care of humans. Go listen to Just the Zoo of Us if you want an animal show (laughs) elsewhere on the Maximum Fun Network. We are not an animal show. No. Lice are obligate parasites. That means they've got to live on something else to survive. Okay? They're ectoparasites as opposed to endoparasites. Mm -hmm. Ecto meaning outside. They live on the outside of us as opposed to like various worms and such that might live inside of us. And we're loaded with, <laughs> we're loaded down with those. Know. And you know, it's not always bad. That's some, sometimes, often maybe, but not always bad. Yeah. Anyway, they either suck our blood or they just sort of eat like dead skin and debris and stuff that's on us. So like the ones that are living in your scalp, for instance, are sucking blood. Or if, I mean, if they Can are. you do this one on your own? <laughs> what if I just like, said Justin type things from the other room every few minutes? <laughs> now, body lice can transmit disease. Typhus is the big, is the big worry there. And we've, I think, I believe we've done an episode on that and we've talked about the lice. Those, those live on clothing. I think we did a typhoid Mary episodes. That well, that's different. Typhoid and typhus are different. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, but those those live on clothes, and that's they can transmit disease, so they're a bigger concern. Headlights don't transmit disease, so in the in the realm of dangerous things, headlights aren't particularly dangerous, right? Because they're not going to give you typhus. That's a that's a big advantage of a headlight of a head. That's contrasted with things like the mosquito, which is the most dangerous animal on earth. Yes, exactly. The mosquito much more dangerous. The body louse is much more dangerous. The head la- the head louse is not. Dangerous. We just don't like having them, I think. 
Um, and, and that's why I want to focus on it, because even though it doesn't make us sick, it is something that we we as a species have decided to devote a lot of time and energy to ridding ourselves of mm-hmm. at various points. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, And I want to preface with this. Head lice is extremely common, and it can infest anyone. So I think that there's still a lot of social stigma around head lice that in some way it indicates you are not clean or hygienic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not the case at all. Head lice just live on heads, and when they can get to new heads, which they don't jump, but they can crawl, when they get to new heads, they just infest a new head, and they don't care about the social strata of this head. They're very democratic. (laughs) You are just a scalp to them. (laughs) Just a warm, blood-filled scalp. (laughs) Um. So the the name for the the head lo- the head louse is pediculos pediculus humanus capitus. Mm-hmm. Pediculosis means you're infested. You have pediculosis. So as opposed to pediculus humanus humanus, which is just the body louse. Okay, um, capitus refers to the head. In case you're curious, uh, it is similar to the lice that chimpanzees and bonobos get. That makes sense, you know. Um, and like I said, it feasts on our blood. It tends to live its entire life on one host, unless you take pains to rid yourself of it. Most of them aren't going to crawl around from person to person. Obviously, that does happen. But most of the time, they just sort of chill. If they, if you're not messing with them, I mean, I don't want to say they're not messing with you, but <laughs> but they don't want to leave. Um, so they obviously lay eggs daily, several eggs daily, and. What can be tricky, especially if you've ever tried to remove head lice from someone, is that they actually attach the eggs to the hair shaft, and it's usually pretty close to the scalp. Now, it's interesting. You'll find that in some warmer climates, the eggs can actually be attached further down the hair shaft because it's still warm enough that they're fine. Mm -hmm. In other parts of the world, like here, you would expect it to be pretty close to the scalp because it's got to stay warm. But they cement it to the hair shaft with this sort of like keratin protein complex, and it's really on there. Keratin stuff like is your are your like nails? hair? Yeah, nails exactly. Hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to think it was like a chitin thing, which is more of an insect type product, but no, it's a keratin like thing. Um, and uh, and that's why they're so hard to get out because they're and if you look at like microscopic photos of what is happening with the egg, it it's completely like wrapped around the hair shaft at the base, and then the egg is stuck there. Um, so you've got to comb those out individually, and it takes a really long time. Uh, so they they hatch in six to nine days. So the egg is laid, stuck to the hair shaft. Six to nine days later, it hatches. And then they molt like four times before they become a grown-up lice over the course of um, like four weeks or so. Um, and as they grow, they are more visible and move around on your head which is part of the itching, the movement, and then the other thing that makes you feel itchy is the the sucking of your blood. An itchy experience. That is an itchy experience. Generally not painful, usually itchy. Obviously, if the infestation was severe enough, it could become painful, I think. Um, I think that is reasonable to say, but that is generally not what we see, right? Like even in pretty severe infestations, most people just feel itchy. Um, we first probably noticed head lice. I mean, early humans almost certainly did. We found evidence, like they found the remains 
of a body in Brazil from 10,000 years ago that had That can't be right. Check your notes. It can't be 10,000. <laughs> it can't be that. Try, try again. Um, eggs or nits, mm-hmm. as they are also called, were on the hair shafts. So we know that we've been aware of them um, for that long. Now, how would ancient people have addressed them? Probably mechanical removal would have been most popular, you mm-hmm. know, picking them out. Um, this is, have you heard the phrase nitpicking? Oh, gotcha. This is where the phrase nitpicking comes from. Look this is that. how deeply entwined. It's interesting if you think about the history of lice and humanity. They're so deeply entwined with our species that we have words like that. And this is part of like the, when you talk about the stigma and the social connotations, what if you call a human a louse? Hmm. A, like a bloodsucker? Like they're... Yeah, or like generally it's a negative thing, right? Right. Like it's a bad person, a lazy person, somebody who doesn't care or doesn't do much, apathetic, whatever. Right. Like it's a bad connotation. So we have have sort of used the words that we use to describe lice to like negatively describe things in humanity. It's very interesting, but that's because we've had them around so long. grown up together. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So like probably through just – removing, physically removing, mm-hmm. or combing would have been the early methods. And you can find paintings, too, of people, like, with their kid between their legs, like, picking <laughs> lice out of their hair and stuff. Not I from ancient that, times. I mean, there was but, so little to do back then. It was probably nice to have a change of pace. Like, at mm-hmm. least then you got an activity. Like, yeah. you have a hobby, you know, for a little bit. And, I mean, I'm sure it's not the least satisfying thing in the world, I'm sure. Just, you know, removing a bunch of nits from hair. Yeah. And it would take a while because, again, they're cemented to the hair shaft. Um, it is it is said that among Cleopatra's belongings in her tomb were uh, golden combs, fine golden fine-tooth combs gold for removing is, lice. That's weird because gold is very flexible. I feel like a gold comb would not be the best. Uh, maybe it's gold-plated. Maybe gold-plated. Maybe gold-plated. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know that part. Um, the idea is just that combing out lice goes back to the beginning. And, I mean, really, if you didn't want to comb or pick out all of the nits and lice, the other thing you could do is remove the hair. So you could just shave your head or your body, whatever was infested. And infested is our word here because it's not infected. These have different relationships with organisms. Okay. An ectoparasite, a, a, a parasite that lives outside your body that's an you know, it's an insect, is going to infest you. It's not going to infect you. Does that mm-hmm. does yeah. that make sense? Okay. Yeah. The first recorded treatment that we have of head lice, we've talked before about the Ebers papyrus. Yes, okay. I remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's popped up a few times. Yeah, a very ancient document, 1550 BCE. Um, and what they say you're supposed to do is take uh, date meal and water. Mm-hmm. And, like, basically warm it all up in your mouth and then spit it on your skin. And then all the lice and fleas, if you got those two, will leave. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I guess. Yeah. No. I doubt that that would work. Um, Or be pleasant. No. We also have ancient documents from China that indicate things like mercury or arsenic could be put on the head. (laughs) To <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a, a little bit, if you'll excuse the expression, overkill. I yes, like. to rid yourself of lice. And, you know, it, when you start thinking about, like, caustic substances like that, I mean, certainly there are a degree to which some substances are going to kill insects, right? Like, you could spray really intense pesticides on somebody's head. 
but you also have to balance that with the damage you would do to the person's head. And then there's the eggs, which are interesting in that they're not as easy to destroy. So, and we'll move into this as we get into like modern treatment methods. Just because we found a way to effectively kill lice without, you know, damaging your human head. Right. We don't necessarily have great ways and never really did of killing the eggs. That's a little that's a little harder to do. Hmm. Um the Egyptians just eventually recommended just shave yourself. Just shave yeah. your body. Just shave everything. A new look. Yeah. Just start look. start over. <laughs> Hit reboot. Start, I like that idea. Again. Like with lice, like, ah, oh, never mind. Just reboot everything. <laughs> You're this is gonna be this is gonna be a total pain. You're not gonna have time for this. Um but through the years, we have come up with a variety of ways. It, it's funny because the mechanical removal of lice and the nets or combing or shaving are like tried and true methods, mm-hmm. right? That would work. Mm-hmm. Any of these things, if done correctly, will work. So I think that what's weird about lice is that we found methods early on that 100% would cure you, so to speak. Um but we weren't satisfied. <laughs> we, <laughs> we didn't want to lose our beautiful hair. Who can blame us? So we had to come up with a bunch of ways that didn't work, <laughs> which I'm going to tell you about. <laughs> but first, got to go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web 
design artist, but you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Oh, I hope they've got the bread bowl. Have you seen the bread bowl at this place? Mm -hmm. Good evening. Welcome to Maximum Fun. Have you been here before? It's her first time. Very good. Might I recommend our special? Oh, please. Can I interest you in the Max Fun Drive? I'm told they're cooking up something quite extraordinary this year. I've heard about this. With limited time thank you gifts for new and upgrading members? That's right. <laughs> we'll take it. How would you like your episodes? Uh, can I get them excellent with new Boko on the side? Yeah. Oh, are there live stream events? Absolutely. You know, if you're interested in events, Meetup Day is returning. What? Oh, you're going to love Meetup Day. It's the best. Okay, let me make sure I have everything. Max Fun Drive 2023 with limited time thank you gifts, live stream events, meetup day, excellent episodes, and of course, new bonus content. Sounds perfect. Great. We'll get it started and it'll be ready in two weeks, March 20th. Oh, can we also get a couple of waters? Of course. Where am I? On Maximum Fun. What do you want? A podcast miniseries about The Prisoner. Whose side are you on? That would be telling, but okay, I'm on my own side. It's one of my favorite ever TV shows. We want a podcast on it. A Prisoner podcast. You won't get it. By hook or by crook, we will. Who are you? I'm Elliot Kalin. Who is number one? Jesse Thorne. But you are John Hodgman. I am not a Prisoner podcaster. I am a free man. <laughs> oh, are you okay? <laughs> Elliot, are you all right? Okay, I'll watch it. All four episodes of Bee Potting You are out now. All right, so I'm not going to shave for, I'm not going to shave my head for a little bit. I'm going to give you a chance to get rid of it with some of these uh, other methods before I go hog wild. What so I'm going to talk about Plenty the Elder, of course, of got course. He's Plenty got it. had to. You know, he's got to get in there. And I think it's interesting because not only did Plenty have a recommendation in Natural History, which is where we get most of our medical advice from Plenty the Elder, yeah. he also calls them nits. So I like that that term is that old. Yeah, it's it's wild that we just we called these eggs nits, and we always just stuck. Yeah. Um, well, we might not have even known they were. I was thinking like, why don't they just call them eggs? We might not have even known they were eggs, right? Like, mm -hmm. possibly. Like, it's not like we had a microscope to get in there and look at them hatching. Like, No, I don't think we would have had any way of knowing that they were eggs. Huh. Yeah. No, I mean, you would see, I guess you would have to know they were related, I would think, to the infestation because you would see the live lice and you would see these and you would connect the two ideas. So certainly I think somebody may have guessed that. But yeah, no, I don't think so. Um and by the way, I should say, I didn't really describe the condition, like what you see and experience with lice. I, yeah, it, go ahead. I know you need to. If you haven't, you um, 
so there are the there are the adult lice that looked like little teeny bugs on your head, and they can be somewhat translucent in appearance, mm-hmm. um, which can make them kind of hard to see until they move. Then you see that, uh, or they can uh, look darker. I would imagine this has to do with like the blood meal <laughs> that they've taken or not. Um, also, like the there are, you know are they able to lay eggs or not? Mm. And that will change their appearance on your head. So there are tiny little bugs. They move around. They are visible with the naked eye. You can see them. Um, they're just incredibly small. Uh, you you can see them crawling around. They're going to mainly stay on the scalp. So it's not something you would just see probably looking at someone. You would have to like um, use a comb or something and go through the hair and look close to the scalp to find these things. Um, they also, you're going to see the eggs, which like I said, are going to be attached to the hair shaft. And initially when there's something inside them, they can look like tannish in color. Mm -hmm. And again, they're not going to be easy to, to come off. So you can't just like brush them out. You're going to have to take stuff. Yeah. You're going to have to take a very fine tooth comb, which they make nowadays, lice combs and comb over that piece of hair, maybe even several times to make sure you've actually physically removed the egg from the shaft. Um, and the and the tough thing about nits, and we'll get into how this has kind of impacted school attendance. The tough thing about nits is that after they've hatched, the egg remains attached to the hair shaft. So you may have someone who has no active lice infestation left. Like the lice have been killed, the live nits have been removed, have hatched, have died, have whatever. But you still might see these little, they're white appearing once they've hatched, white appearing. It's like a piece of dandruff that is firmly attached to a hair shaft, basically. Might still be in there and you would think, "Uh uh-oh, there's still lice. And actually, it's just the remnants because it's going to take months for those to just dissolve on their own. Mm -hmm. The only way to get them out sooner would be to mechanically remove them. But that's not an infestation at that point. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Plenty recommended that nits specifically could be destroyed by dog's fat. So you just take it and, like, apply it topically. Not not a thrill for the dog, I'm assuming. <laughs> or you could eat serpents that were cooked like eels. Which, by all accounts, like, there was a way at this time in history that you knew to cook an eel, and then you just cook a snake that way. You know, like you cook the eel. So it's like eel, eel, eel fried serpent. <laughs> I would. I assume you have to like skin it and then eat the stuff inside. You know what? We've had such a lovely, robust episode <laughs> in terms of visual imagery. Let's just keep on trucking. What do you say? Or you take uh, the skin from the snake and drink it. You put. You prepare it in a beverage and drink it. Yum. That is wow. none of these things. Um, also, you could bathe in viper venom. I do that at, uh, any every day already, just to intimidate my enemies. <laughs> You know, you wouldn't actually have to do it if you just said you did. Uh, that's my secret. I'll never tell. <laughs> I bathe in viper venom. Where do you get so much viper venom? I wait. I'm patient. <laughs> I feel like that's a line from like one of the villains in a Fast and Furious movie says something like that. Yeah. I bathe in viper venom. Viper venom. And then they like rev the engine of their car. You just took your foot off the tiger's neck. And Vin Diesel's like, it's about family. 
this is a hundred. I feel like I'm watching the film <laughs> right now. I don't even need to go go see Fast Ten. By the way, you could have, if you had, as I said, picking them off was a common, um, was always, all throughout history has been a common way to get rid of them. Montezuma just employed people to do it. Oh, that's nice. That's a job nice. creator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was an English herbalist, uh, Nicholas Culpepper, who recommended that you um, dunk your kid's head in tobacco juice. Um, I'm, yeah, I know how we get tobacco juice, and I don't think that would be great as a kid. That would not be a wonderful— No. No, that would be a bad idea. It wouldn't work. And I think that it it feels more like a punishment, like I'm mad at you for getting lice. <laughs> I don't—I would not recommend any of that. Parents, especially, I think, were targeted with, like, bad, <laughs> bad lice advice mm-hmm. because they probably felt, like, a little helpless. My job is to get all these lice out of my kid's head, and it's really hard, and I don't know how to do it. And so that's that's just ripe for a bunch of pseudoscience and medical yeah. misinformation. So they would try everything from, like, tomato juice to mixing together vinegar and cheese whey. Um, there was one recipe that was ginger, melted butter, and sneeze powder. Sneeze which powder? Which I didn't even know was a real thing. Like I thought you buy sneeze, it at the prank store? That's what I thought. Like, I'm assuming, like, mainly black pepper? I guess, right? Sneeze powder. <laughs> Uh, one single whoopee cushion properly applied can. Um, when wigs would be popular, especially among, you know, if we think about like among royalty, the idea of like wearing beautiful fancy. Huh? Can you get lice in wigs? Yeah. Yeah. You can get lice in your wigs. Um, you, uh, now I will say though that there, if you're not wearing the wig for a period of time, you know, it's not, they're not going to survive. They need exactly. that heat they, they, and yeah. the blood supply. Um, but you could certainly get uh, any, you know, it's the same thing you worry about with like a lice infestation in your head is that is it going to get on blankets, on pillows, for mm-hmm. kids, on stuffed animals. And it can't survive very long in any of those places. Like most of the time, adult lice are going to die a couple days after being away from some sort of host. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nits can survive for a couple weeks. Wow. And so that's the real worry is that, like, if you have stuffed animals or something that have become infested and now there are nits on them, like, yeah, no, the adult lice might die off, but in a week or so, those eggs are going to hatch and then you've got more. Ugh. I know. Um, but the nice thing with the wigs, one, uh, in order to fit some of the wigs that would be worn like powdered wigs, you would shave your head. Mm-hmm. And so. You take off the lice when you take off the wig. There you go. It's convenient. Um, And the nice thing is you could just boil your wig. Um, That sounds like it should be like a a drag slang of some sort. (laughs) Like I had to boil my wig or she really boiled her wig. It just feels like. (laughs) But that would be so much easier and more satisfying if you could do that with your hair. If you could just boil Boil it. Don't do that. Don't Don't do that. that. You'll burn yourself. But like, and that would be effective too. That heat is pretty effective at killing lice. Um, and it's more obviously more difficult to employ when they're you know again on your head. On your head. Right. Um, but like blow drying kills a good percentage of lice. Um, not all of them, but a good percentage of good them. Know. Yeah. So anyway, so with your wigs, you just throw them in some boiling water, and there you're good. Also, of course, you could use combs and things like that if you wanted to, but I don't know why you'd bother. Um, in as far back as 100 CE, um, Chinese 
uh, medicine people discovered uh, pyrethrum powder, Mm, which was extracted from chrysanthemums. And this powder that came from the flower, the chrysanthemum, was useful for um, killing insects, a variety Mm -hmm. of insects. Uh, So the thought was, hey, maybe this would be useful for head lice. Mm -hmm. So it took a while. It was eventually refined into pyrethrin, and it actually wasn't available just for, like, targeted at head lice until the 1940s. But Mm -hmm. we've known about it in ancient Chinese medicine, the tradition of using chrysanthemum extracts, pyrethrums, to treat what— a variety of insect infestations is an old practice. Um, so it was well known long, long, long before the Western world started marketing it hmm. for this specific purpose. This sounds like the Western um, world. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then we uh, probably took credit for it. Yeah, of course. Um, now, again, though, it was less effective at killing the nits, more effective at killing the lice themselves. Right. Right. Um, so that, that you know, problem would persist. Um, a synthetic version was eventually introduced in the 70s, so you didn't actually have to get the extract from the original plant. Mm. You, you could synthesize it in a lab, which is common, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've done that with a, a load Quine, of medications. It's like that, right? Yeah, things that we initially went out and collected things. Um, foxglove, digitalis. The way you just passively were like, oh, yeah, that's one, Justin. And you weren't like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like I understand that you know that stuff, but the fact that I knew that it should have gotten a bigger reaction. You know what kind? So you want? Okay, let's try it again. Okay. Um, oh, like uh, quinine. D- oh my! Oh my God, Justin! This is too much. That sounds oh my, like you're worried. You know, about you're me. right. <laughs> How did you? That sounds like you're worried about. Are me. you okay? Yeah. Okay. That is exactly. Were you? Hold on. Did you? Did somebody tell you? Did somebody tell you that? <laughs> it's hold on. No, it's not my notes. No, it's have, not my notes. <laughs> I have phenomena. <laughs> Phenomenon disease. Like oh, John God, no. <laughs> Phenomenon ditis. Don't say that. I think it was a brain tumor, honey. No, I think it's phenomenonitis. If I remember correctly. That, I- honey, there's no, that would be, if you had a movie about John Travolta with super brain powers and it turned out that he actually just had a tumor, that would be a really wild movie. There's no way that that actual real movie that was a plot line. Are in you that gaslighting movie. me right no, now? Saying, that is the plot of I'm that being movie. Sarcastic. Okay. That's hundred percent the plot. Okay, of that movie. I thought I I really I was sitting here thinking that is the plot of that movie, isn't 100% it? Percent the plot. What of a movie. bummer! It's yeah, it's a huge bummer. Anyway, so um, we <laughs> so we were able to synthesize it, and uh, and this is great because a lot of what you probably know as over the counter lice treatments, and mm-hmm. there are a variety of brands, and there are also. Endless uh, numbers of like generic products, mm-hmm. depending on what pharmacy or grocery store or wherever you're buying it from. Um, you can go online and find, again, endless different types of lice-killing products. And a lot of them have basically the same uh, pyrethroid-type compounds in them. That's mm-hmm. what they're using. They're a, a lot, most of them are based on that. Um the only concern we have nowadays is that we have found strains of lice that are actually resistant to these compounds. That doesn't mean that if you have head lice, yours are, but it's possible. And so it makes it a little trickier when it comes to killing them. They become a lot easier, as you may imagine, to comb out of the hair if they're dead. Mm-hmm. So you can still comb them out alive. They, you know, they come out wiggling, um, but you can get them out that way. It's just the whole process becomes a lot less stressful if you've killed the lice first. 
you can get them off easier and then um i don't know you're you're less worried about if you've killed the eggs they're not going to come back but you probably have to treat again but it's mm-hmm. a lot easier if you can kill them first mm-hmm. so because i think it is such a cumbersome treatment because even if you use these over the counter lice treatments and i should say for more severe infestations there are prescription medications that we can we can use for lice um i have yet to have personal experience with having to do that in every case that I've been involved with in my professional life, uh, over-the-counter products combined with really rigorous combing mm-hmm. is the treatment. And again, if you vote, you can look up a picture if you've never seen a knit comb or a lice comb. It's not like your regular comb. The teeth are too wide on, on the vast majority of combs or brushes we would use for our hair. You need something that has uh, tines that are really close together. And then the ones that most of the ones you're going to buy aren't plastic. They're more like metal mm-hmm. um, because they're stiffer and they're going to really trap the little guys, almost like tons of teeny little tweezers. They're going to trap all these little guys and and pull them out of the hair. Um, it's an incredibly cumbersome process. And so a lot of people have come up with alternatives that they will tout as folk remedies or of online course. remedies. Of course. Um, because this is hard. It just is hard. And it, you, sure, you think, surely there's got to be a better way. People will tell you to put melted butter on your hair, may- mayonnaise. I was about to say mayonnaise. mayonnaise. I, don't, I don't know why I was about to say that. Vinegar, um, olive oil. Gasoline is recommended a surprising um a surprising no, number gasoline. of times. That's gasoline. Please do not ever put any flammable substances no on way. your head or body. Um, certainly not gasoline. Some have said it, the fumes specifically are what's helpful. That's really dangerous. Because um, those are the fumes are bad, actually. Yeah. Um, but there have been, as a result, multiple cases of people accidentally catching themselves or the person who they're trying to help treat their head on fire because of treatments with gasoline. Hey, hey, so hey, please, wait, please on, do wait, not. No, wait, no, hold on. This is, ser- this is serious. This Don't is, make a joke I'm here because a joke. it's tragic that people have tried this and then just all it takes is a little spark. But you have to admit, it does get the lice. Justin. I'm just saying. Yes, I'm sure the lice died. But my point is, please do not put gasoline or any other flab- flammable. So I, I can't believe. <sighs> please don't put any flammable substances on yourself or or your child or anyone else you may be helping treat for what life. A hairspray, tough guy. Um, what a hairspray. Okay, well, I don't know. Don't get. Let's not. <laughs> Just don't put gasoline on your head. Feels like hairspray would get them, doesn't it? It doesn't, though. It feels like it I know, should. It feels like it should. <laughs> it's like, it's like oh, no, like, I'm frozen. It's stasis. Especially like 80s hairspray. Yeah. Like, I feel like our moms Aquanet. used to use. Yeah. Like the heavy-duty stuff. You feel like it would just like, they're just, they they, fro- they freeze yeah. there till they die. They don't. Um, <laughs> there is also like, as an alternative medicine, tea tree oil is very commonly recommended. Yeah. It, w- it has been recommended to me in my professional life. Um, by many people, <laughs> I, I, there is no evidence that this is effective. Um, there aren't, as as is typical with a lot of these sorts of um, herbal alternative remedies, there aren't a ton of high-quality studies, but it's never been proven to work, um, whether as a preventative or a treatment for head lice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can, as, as with a lot of, I mean, just because something is from the earth doesn't mean it can't have side effects or you can't have a reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Anyone with seasonal allergies knows that. Yeah. 
So you can have an allergic reaction or some sort of irritation as a result of tea tree oil, and then you can do that to your scalp if you put a bunch of tea tree oil all over your scalp to try to kill lice. So that is not a recommendation. Um, and same for a lot of, they smell really nice. I have I have in, encountered them myself. The sprays that prevent lice, they smell great. I enjoy them too. No evidence that those actually work at this point. But if you want to use them, that's fine. But there's no evidence that, that those sorts of things are going to work. Um, so obviously the current concern is resistant lice and you got to kill the eggs. For all these reasons, um, keeping children out of school while they have lice has been common practice for many years. Mm-hmm. It really shouldn't be. And that recommendation is not brand new. For quite a while, uh, the CDC has been recommending against what are called no-knit policies at school. So basically, if you find a single knit on a child's head, you send them home until they're all gone. Mm-hmm. There is little risk of your child sitting next to another child in school and getting lice that way. Mm-hmm. Certainly, if you're sharing hats or scarves or brushes or hair clips or whatever, sure. obviously, there are ways if you're sleeping next to each other, if your hair is entangled, there are ways, of course, you can get lice from each other. Right. Um, but these no-knit policies are really damaging because they end up keeping kids out of school longer than necessary. It's not really a risk to anyone else. And even if somebody else gets lice, yes, it's inconvenient. Yes, it's a bummer. Yes, it's itchy. But it's not life-threatening. And keeping a child out of school for weeks on end to try to make sure every knit is gone is really damaging to them in many ways. Not always, but can be very Mm -hmm. damaging. Um, So we do not have no-knit policies anymore. Um, It's stigmatizing. It's unnecessary. Uh, the, if you are interested in treating head lice, it is something that most people just do at home. Most people do not seek medical advice to treat head lice because it is so common and because the over-the-counter treatments are the first recommended treatment anyway. Um, certainly, you can reach out to your provider if you have questions or if it's not working or if you're worried that the infestation is really severe. You know, if you have so many nits and live lice that you can just see it sitting mm-hmm. across the room, you probably want to talk to somebody about that. Yeah. Um, but for most of us, it's something you're going to find a few in there and go, oh, crap. And you're going to spend a lot of time treating and combing and treating and combing and double checking. Um, But you don't need to keep your kid out of school for it. Uh, And I would really recommend if you need more information, the CDC website, cdc.gov, you just type in lice in the search bar. They have plenty of information, whether you're a healthcare professional or a lay person, whether you're a parent or somebody who has lice yourself. Read that information. Read this. They have specific information for schools about the American Academy of Pediatrics does not recommend keeping your kid out of school for having some nits in their hair and how to treat. You don't even need to send a kid home. You find a nit in their hair, they can treat it at the end of the day. There's no need to send them home early. So um, I think it's it's so still it's still so stigmatized. Yeah, I had lice as a kid. There it is, folks. I, I had lice. I am not ashamed to admit. I still remember my mother combing and combing and combing my hair. Uh, Not I, a fun experience. I had very I, long hair as a kid. I never had lice, but I think it's because the other children avoided me. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed yourself. Um, we are going to be doing a, a virtual show with my brother, my brother, and me. It's on March 17th. Yes, that one. The same one that is St. Patrick's Day as well. <laughs> um, if you go over to bit.ly forward slash MBMBAM virtual, you can get all the details on that. Tickets are 10 bucks. Uh, they're available right now. Uh, you can watch that for two weeks afterwards. You can get 
video on demand. Also, you can buy it for up to two weeks after. But you know, get get ahead of it. Get there. It's going to be really fun. the The live virtual shows are always uh, a hoot, a hoot and a half. And when you're getting two for one, I mean, you you're basically losing money to not go to the, see this show. Absolutely. And stop scratching your head right now, please. Yes. Um, and that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks to taxpayers for using their song "Medicines" as the intro and outro of our program. But thanks to you for listening. It's going to do it for us this week. Until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.